Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. So welcome everyone. Great to see everybody today. We're going to get right into it in just a moment, but I'd like for us to uh, go around the room and say our names. We usually do. Uh, we want to know each other. So my name is Debbie, and we'll start over here. Elizabeth Keller, Joy Blair, Linda Winterhouse. Dave Barber, Barbara Barber, Linda Nelson, Dale Walter, Peter, and this is Brandon, Brandon Brand, Peter Legman, Wendy Waldeck, Jim Waldeck, Tom Weaver, Lynn Davis, Alan Davis, um, Grace McDermott, John McDermott, Pat McDermott, Bill Wallace, Dan Gilbert, Linda Gilbert, Cindy Wilder, Judy Bronson, Joni Wallace, that's great. Okay. Larry, back here with the headphones. Gets us going. Um, I'd like for us to take a look at the handout for just a moment because um, it does. I do want you to know that this is a two-session class. We're going to be talking about Prayer 101 both today and next Sunday. Our goal is. By observing Jesus, we learn about prayer, and we pray. Today, we'll be talking about how did Jesus pray. Next Sunday, we'll be talking about what did Jesus teach about prayer. A little bit different, and we're going to be exploring some others next week, too, some other scholars that have talked about prayer. So, prayer. We had this this morning in one of our hymns, Conversations with God. I don't know if you went to 8 o'clock or not, but... It was all about prayer, which was exciting. And uh, even Pastor Harmon visited us from Maryland, (laughs) which was kind of nice. And uh, the Bible is full of examples of prayer. I never realized how many until I got right into it. But now that that we're all more aware of this, we're going to be seeing in the Scripture a lot about prayer. For example, Old Testament. You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. That's God. After delivering the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 20 there. And in the New Testament, I fall on my knees before the Father and I pray. That's Paul to the Ephesians. Our summer schedule, um, Tara mentioned it briefly, that after these two weeks, We'll be hearing from Pastor Keenert uh, on our new book that you've got in your toolkits there, the John Bailey book of personal prayer. It's a wonderful book. Don and I started it yesterday so that we could start on June the 1st. But you can start any time, and there's a morning prayer and an evening prayer. If you miss a day, let me say that differently. When you miss a day, (laughs) it's perfectly fine because it's not dated. And so you just start with morning and evening the next day. It works great. Um, Let me see what else. Oh, after that, using the Psalms as prayers will come next sometime in the middle of the summer, which will be wonderful. And then we're going to have three sessions about the Lord's Prayer followed by one on prayer. What does it matter in light of this destination of heaven that we're 
talking about as our overarching theme for the year. So that will take us to Labor Day, believe it or not. And uh, so it's going to be a rich, really wonderful summer, lots of different teachers, lots of different materials, and uh, I think we'll be rewarded. Now, um, prayer. Well, it's a big topic. <laughs> and so maybe that's why we have to spend the whole summer working on them, working our way through this. But as for our time in here this morning, my assumption is this, that we all do pray. We believe in prayer. We all wish that we could pray more or better. I hope that's a safe assumption for all of us this morning. There's always more to learn. My hope is that we will all be motivated to pray more effectively. To pray more effectively and thus to grow in our relationship to our Heavenly Father. This is a two-way conversation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Prayer. That's what we want to keep in mind. So with that, um, I'd like for us to pray as we get started this morning. So would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to carry everything to you in prayer. We thank you for the great gift that we, your creatures, can have a conversation with you. We want to know more about it, and we do want to learn how to pray effectively. And we look forward to the richness of that opportunity that you lay before us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, now to come, be our teacher, be with us in this hour. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you grew up in a Christian home, there were probably some prayers that you were taught. I want you to think back now. Think back some years um, over those prayers that you were taught when you were little. Um, it could be a bedtime prayer. It could be a mealtime prayer, prayer at the table. Um, maybe your family actually had family devotions around the table and it was a certain prayer that you prayed. And so I wonder if someone would uh, volunteer, several of you would volunteer to say that prayer. I'll give you a minute to think about it. And Okay, Linda, you're ready. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for this good. Yes. That, the universal table blessing. <clears throat> Although my family didn't say that, but I know that one because I heard that so many times, um, many places. Linda? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Thy love will guide me through the night and lift me with the morning light. That's a little different version. Well, it's a little gentle. It's a little better than thinking about dying if I should die. You know, that's kind of a tough way to go to sleep. Yeah, I know. I think that's a, a, a good alteration here. I like that. Um, another one? Somebody else? Yes, Oli? May it come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. And that's a Lutheran prayer, I think, because I didn't know that until I came to the Lutheran church, and that's, I'm still not, you know, really good at it, but I like that very much. May there be a goodly share on every table everywhere. That's the second verse. Yeah. Okay, say that again, Rita, and let there be. May there be a goodly share 
on every table, every room. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And, and, and there's even another line. Okay. Mark, what's the other one? Put, uh, put it there. And may God help to put it there. Ah, very nice. Ah, yeah. So with the idea that you want to be thankful for what you are about to partake of, but you don't want the food to get cold. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, good job. Any, anything else? Yes, Pastor. For home and friends and daily food, we give you thanks, O Lord. Bless to our use the food we take and guide us all our days. How lovely. Love singing ones. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I you know. it up? Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, probably a camp song we brought at home. Yeah. Did, now, did your, your children use that? Did you teach that to your kids? On the seltzer side. I haven't. I'm working on passing it on to my children. And the grandchildren. And the grandchildren. Good. So, what, anybody else have any of that? Yes, Cynthia? Lord, we thank you for these gifts for which we are about to receive for the nourishment of our bodies and souls in Christ Jesus. Amen. Yes. Now, isn't it wonderful how these just come back to us and that they were instilled in us as we were children? The one that we used around our table was one that, after thinking about this through um, through some years, I have decided that my mother did make it up. And here, here it goes. <laughs> we thank you, Heavenly Father, for these good things to eat. And may we each day be so helpful and sweet. Amen. <laughs> so not only did we were we thankful for whatever it was she had put in front of us I know she wanted us to be sweet but she really wanted us to be helpful getting four kids fed and dressed and out the door and while daddy was off selling real estate was a true accomplishment so I just have a feeling she might have <laughs> made that song. but you know we all know it it's still very special so, um, you saw this little phrase from Philip Yancey. This is a great book about prayer, and I have a list of books at the end of the handout. If you're interested in doing some extra reading this summer, uh, these are all wonderful. There are many that are out there, but um, these few, are, I know, are, are very special. And... Um, <laughs> you know, children children have a way of getting right to the point in prayer. Have you noticed that? Any of you all that have had an opportunity to work with the kids in Sunday school or in, um, in our CDT classes or, or your own grandchildren, and it's just such a joy to hear them pray. Dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday... I will show you my new shoes. <laughs> Dear God, I didn't think orange went with purple until I saw that sunset you made on Tuesday. That was really cool. <laughs> Dear God, when my mother makes leftovers, do I have to pray for the food all over again? <laughs> Dear God, thank you for the baby brother. But what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Dear God, could you please send Mikey Johnson to a different summer camp this summer? Uh, Dear God, please send me a pony. 
I never asked for anything before. You can check your records. <laughs> and one more. Dear God, I say your prayer every night. Lead us not into evil, but deliver us some email. <laughs> but I never get an email from you. Do you have my right address? <laughs> well, anyway, we'll think about our, our, children, our, our young prayers. Um, they are usually prayers by rote, and then there comes a time, I think, when we begin to understand that those childhood prayers um, are not satisfying to us anymore. And we hunger for something a little bit deeper, uh, something a little bit richer, something a little bit more sincere, more adequate to the time or the age that we are. Um, I think Tara was right this morning when she talked about the the book that we're using this summer. She said, you know, we, we, we go in and out. Sometimes we like to have a written prayer to pray, and then sometimes it, it doesn't work. We, we really want to pray our own prayer. Thankfully, there are no rules about that. We can do that either way. We learn how to pray from listening to other people pray, don't you think? I think that's, that's an important part of our prayer life. Um, Sometimes we just abandon prayer. We just completely abandon prayer. Life is wonderful. The world and its glitz is very appealing to us. We don't need it. We uh, like, you know, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world, and so what I need that for. But God has a way of driving us back to those conversations with him. Someone said there are no foxholes. I mean, there are no atheists in foxholes. And all of us have known in our lifetime at this point that we need prayer, and we have had many opportunities that we've been on our knees praying and asking the Lord, where are you? <laughs> Why aren't you helping me? What do we say to the Lord when we finally get to the point that we want to have a conversation with him? How long do we pray? When? Where? And then when we find ourselves in the most difficult of circumstances, what do we say? There is a cloud over us this morning, I think, because of what has happened to our neighbors and friends in Virginia Beach. I saw a picture this morning of community people praying. One standing, one is flat out on the ground. It just, you know, they have been driven to prayer. I don't know what their prayer life has been before, but um, they've certainly had it jump-started in the last two days and something that we certainly can do, too. There was a doctoral student at Princeton who asked his professor, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? And Dr. Albert Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Well, Dr. Einstein, here we are. We're going to do it. We're going to do that research because we have the tools. We've got the, uh, the primary resource, our Bibles, and we have the individual who has let out and shown us how to do it, and that's Jesus.
when Jesus' death on the cross occurred in Jerusalem, about 30, 33 uh, A.D., something happened at Herod's temple. You know what it was. That curtain, they called it a veil, but my vision of a veil is something rather sheer and delicate. It was a heavy curtain. It was more like a brocade or a, um, a, a, a very heavy fabric that was very um, elaborately embroidered. And the interesting thing was that it split how? From top to bottom. At the moment that Jesus breathed his last breath, it opened the way into the Holy of Holies, the very Ark of the Covenant, where the Lord's presence dwelt over that mercy seat. What was the significance of that event? By the way, I'm going along in the handout. I don't know if there's anything you want to mention or write down, but I think we're down, down to number three. Um, what was the significance of that event? Yes, Wendy. That individual people no longer had to go through a priest to talk to God. They could talk to God themselves. Yes. And that's, a, that's great. That's a wonderful statement that takes care of it. That wall had separated, uh, that had separated sinful men and women was now gone. There was really no job security for the high priest anymore. Yes, Linda? I was just going to say the fact that it was torn from top to bottom would indicate or be a metaphor for God doing the tearing. God set, God let us into that holy of holies. That's right. Yes, that's right. Because nobody, no individual was going to tear from that. top to bottom. Mm-hmm. That's right. So Jesus himself was offering his body. He was the sacrifice at that moment. He was the high priest, and he was the sacrifice. And his altar was the cross. Now, because of the perfection of this sacrificial lamb, Jesus, and because God accepted this sacrifice, there was no longer any need for the age-old sacrificial method which had provided a temporary system to take care of Israel's sin for all those centuries. Now, during Jesus' ministry, he explained the role that he would play in the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation. In fact, we know that he told the disciples this information over and over and over, didn't he? I'm going to be taken. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be convicted, I'm going to be executed, and then I'm going to be raised on the third day. Did they get it? Not really. They didn't. We don't get it either sometimes. So that was probably a very human response. But it wasn't because he didn't tell them. But one of the things that they did see and perhaps understand was the prayer life of Jesus. Now, It was different from the prayers of any priest or rabbi or religious leader that they had ever seen. They knew all about this this Old Testament God 
who reigned from the mountaintop, and there was smoke and all kinds of uh, warnings, don't come near this mountain. They knew about this God whose name could not even be pronounced. They certainly knew about the Holy of Holies. If the priest didn't do it just right, he could be struck dead. But here's Jesus just going cavalierly into the presence of God and praying. No wonder they asked him at one point, can you teach us how to do that? We want to learn. And of course we know that he did. So what we're going to do today is look at some places in the scripture where we actually see Jesus praying, or we know that he has just prayed, and see if we can um, learn his system, his methods, his words, um, anything that we can incorporate into our own personal prayer life. I'm going with the assumption that's what we want to do. We want to make our own personal prayer life better. So we're going to Jesus. Um, Open your Bibles. I hope you all have your own Bible or one that you have from the cart. And we'll look up, first of all, Mark 1, 35. Mark, chapter 1. This is our second gospel. Mark, chapter 1, verse 35. And um, I always appreciate readers. So if you have found that and you would be kind enough to go ahead and read that verse for us. That would be great. Here's what we're going to be looking for as the verse is read. What do you observe? Just simple. What do you observe? Anybody ready? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What do you see in there? We're talking about personal prayer. He started first thing in the morning. Start started first thing in the morning. <clears throat> he set his clock to do it. Had to set his clock to do it. Maybe. He was alone. He was alone. He went off to a solitary place. Mm-hmm. What else? He wasn't at home. He was not at home. That's true. wonder why. wonder why he had to leave home. Speculate. Distractions. Distractions, mm-hmm. yes. Um, if you leave, read a little bit further, you'll see that it says, Simon and his companions. Who's Simon? Peter. Peter and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everybody's looking for you. What's the problem here? Jesus experiences what? Interruptions. Interruption. Distraction. Do we know about that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, if it's not the cell phone, it's the uh, doorbell, it's the, you know, whatever. There's always some other individual. Somebody needs something. Thank you, Peter. You just interrupted the Lord from his early morning devotions. (laughs) But it's so real, and I'm so glad that that's included here because I think this is something that we wrestle with, too. Um, In fact, let me read you something that I came across that I thought was rather telling. 
By the way, I think the main thing that Jesus was seeking here was solitude. Just a time to be away from all of the turmoil in his life and to get alone with God. Soon, silence will have passed into legend. Man has turned his back on silence. Day after day, he invents machines and devices that increase noise and distract humanity from the essence of life, contemplation, meditation. Tooting, howling, screeching, booming, crashing, whistling, grinding, and trilling bolster his ego. Believe it or not, that was written by a poet by the name of Hans Arp in the early 1900s. <laughs> that was before the radio, probably. Oh, he should see us now. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. We want to move along. There's another... Um, oh, I know what I wanted to mention. It was Psalm 37.7 where we were talking about solitude. This is a wonderful verse. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. I use that every time. I, get, I finally get down you know, to, to business here. And that is just something that I pray, that, that I can be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Did you know that silent and listen have the same letters? Mm-hmm. We have to be silent. We're going to hear anything. A silence. Listen. So Jesus has some other things to say about our personal prayer life. Let's go now to Matthew chapter six. Back to the first gospel, Matthew chapter six. This is the um, Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to verses five through eight. Chapter six, five through eight. If someone would read that entire passage, that would be wonderful. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Some other things. There's some repetition here, but do you see anything else that we can add to what we already have about Jesus' personal prayer, His thinking, His thoughts about prayer? To be intentional about it, you know, to actually make a time and a place and mm-hmm. release all those distractions. That's a very good point for our uh, live stream listeners. Linda just said, be intentional about this. Have a place. Have a time. A lot of people do carve out time in the early morning. That does not work for me. This is a true confession. Um, I get, I just get up and I just have to go. I just have stuff I need to get done. And morning is my best time to do that. But later in the day, I'm, I'm ready to stop and take a moment and, you know, 
try to get with the Lord, then that works better for me. Um, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere in the world. <laughs> we can always find our moment, can't we? And uh, I think that's a good point. We need to be intentional about it. What else do you see here? Yes. Prayer is not performance. That is right. And that's what Jesus is saying here, isn't it? Say more about that. I'll say it in the form of a confession, and that is I can uh, not remember the number of times, but I knew it has happened that when I was leading the congregation in the Lord's Prayer, um, I ended the prayer and didn't remember praying. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that must happen. Yeah. We all have that experience. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, Peter? Yeah, Jesus assumes that everyone is going to pray because he says, and when you pray, not and if you pray. He sure does. I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. He says, when you pray, not if you pray. I love that the, the, he says, go to your room. Where is it? Um, yeah. All right, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father. The King James says, go in the closet. <laughs> I like that. Um, it was thought that the only individual room that a person could find was a storage closet. And so that very well might have been what Jesus was talking about here. Go somewhere where you can close the door. Um, problem with me is I get everything. You know, I get everything straight. I do all the right things, and then the distractions come in my brain. Yes. Mm-hmm. The wool gathering. You know, I, ha- I think I've got to go do this. I need to call so and so. I need to go write that down. I need to water plants, for goodness sake. I mean, I think about everything, and it's, it's very hard to get my concentration to where I need it to be. I love the illustration of the, the snow globe. You have a snow globe, and the, the point of that thing is to shake it up so that everything goes wild in there. But here, when I finally get to the closet, what I want is for all of that snow to fall down down, down, and to be perfectly still at bottom. And I can get rid of all those thoughts that are distracting me and keeping me from the business that I want to do in prayer. All right. Um, anything else in the passage? Yes, Rita. I think the um, problem that you talk about that you have, that we all have that distracted prayer, mm-hmm. um, somewhere I was told, um, or maybe learned in, in my Bible study class, that have some a paper pen with you and when you get those things like water the plants, wipe it down and then, you know, move on in your you you won't forget it because you have maybe you have pen, you know, you have yeah. pen and ink. A great idea. Whatever your distraction might be. So you aren't going to have to go do it right away, but it's mm-hmm. a list of things that you can refer to later when you're done. So true. Exactly. Right. Yeah, Linda. I thought it was interesting when uh, Dale was reading um, the passages. My uh, version says, uh, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do. And he read pagans. Yes. Are those, are those interchangeable? Probably in, in this case. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter? When he talks about the babbling, 
And he's just emphasizing the focus on quality, not quantity. I have trouble with that, too. I just think that the more I say it, the more times I say it, and the more different ways I say it, the more he's going to get it. <laughs> I mean, is that the worst? So this is, this taught me, too. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't need to do that. Yes, Pam? Uh, I, I find the most difficult time for distraction is when I'm trying to listen in that part of the prayer. But when I'm, if I can get rid of my distractions more easily if I pray out loud mm -hmm. uh, for distractions not to invade uh, mm -hmm. my thoughts. And, um, so it's the listening moments and maybe sometimes if I have a, uh, a, a visual focus you had the snow, the snowball, uh, uh, as a snowball, as a, as a focus. Mm -hmm. But whatever it might be, it might be something out your window or, or a, a cross or anything that, that can help with the listening part. Mm -hmm. Thank you. These are all great suggestions. Thank you. I think I kind of stopped looking for the solitude and just kind of pray all day throughout the day and I say things, you know time to pay the bills or I grumble and then right away oh Lord thank you so much for having the finances to be able to pay the bills you know and on the deck thanking him for for praying you know someone comes into thought oh, yeah. and then praying for that person right then mm -hmm. like I guess I would be talking yeah that's a great way to keep because the solitude just didn't seem to come, or the like you say, you your mind starts to. I think that works great for when we're talking to God. I'm not sure, so sure He, you know, wants us not to have that time alone with Him. But He He can talk to you, and you do have to learn to listen. Because I can be doing something, and it's like, mm -hmm. what, what, Lord? What are you okay? We're all different. Linda, I find the same thing. That it's the silent trying to listen to God that my mind gets real busy. Um, but don't you think that Satan has a role in that? I mean, he doesn't want you to hear what God is going to tell you. Absolutely. So I think if we, could, if I could just um, get the behind me, Satan. Clear my mind and ask God, who is greater than Satan, to mm -hmm. um, help me listen more effectively. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a very helpful uh, a thought because mm -hmm. in in listening, you might get uh, a, you you get a thought or or something which you might think is a distraction, but it might be God's answer. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Brandon? I find the time that I feel God is talking to me is when I'm doing something, anything, and something keeps invading my mind mm -hmm. that I've got to do thus and so, and I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So I keep ignoring it. But I keep getting this message, you've got mm -hmm. to do blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that's... Eventually, I do it, <laughs> but it it has to come, keep coming to me, to make me do it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we're going to look at a lot of other occasions where Jesus is in prayer this morning. We're not going to dwell on the Lord's Prayer. That comes next in the scripture because, of course, this is when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. Because Pastor Stano is going to be treating that uh, in several sessions later this summer. So we're going to look at some other times when Jesus is in prayer. And I want us to think, first of all, about the form of address that Jesus uses when he talks to God. What is it? Father. Father. Did you know that that is new in the New Testament? Because up to this point, God did not have an earthly son. And so Jesus not only addresses God as Father, but he invites the disciples and us to call him Father, too. So when we think about God as Father, now if you if you have a good earthly father, I'm not saying perfect, but a pretty good earthly father, what are some characteristics that you would use to describe him? Dependable. Dependable. Strong. Strong. Caring. Caring. Loving. How about approachable? Mine was sometimes. Um, <laughs> providing? Protecting? Discipline? Oh, just disciplinarian. <laughs> Got to get that in there. That's right. So I'm not saying, you know, that our fathers in any way approach God. But sometimes when we call God Father, we can appropriate some of those characteristics. And it does make him very approachable. I think he is our loving, heavenly Father. I think that's the way Jesus wants us to see him. All right, here's what we're going to do. There's some scriptures on your list here. And I would like for you to find a partner. You can work in groups of two or groups of three. I'm going to have you do a little work this morning. And then I will, once you get your group, I'm going to assign you a verse or a little set of verses and we're going to observe Jesus in prayer and then report back our findings. So here's what we have. If you um, Here are your scripture verses, and they're also on the handout. And here's what you're going to be looking for. Um, you're going to identify the circumstances. In other words, you know, where are we in the scripture? So everybody will know where we are. You're going to describe the prayer or the, the reference to prayer. Um, I'd like for you to identify a time that we might use a similar prayer. And then please suggest something that we might learn about Jesus. Can everybody see these four things? All right, and I'll come around and tell you if you can't see them. All right. Stop. Put your pencils down. <laughs> I need your attention. Uh, you are going to teach the class about your passage. So think about, you know, who's going to talk. And uh, we're going to start right off with um, the people who have A. Now we have a couple of groups here that have A. So Luke 6, 12, and 13, you all want to start in nice and loud so that the people who are live streaming can hear. Jesus was on the mountaintop and he prayed all night long. 
And this is when he chose his disciples, or excuse me, his apostles. And I can think that he was talking with God and saying, now what about Peter? Peter's really got a strong faith and so forth. And he really talking as if he were in conversation with God. Um, at this point, I don't, I don't think it was a prayer of petition or uh, anything but just a conversation with God. And because they had to make choices and bounced them off God and God responded to him. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. So the, the point is that he was making a big decision and he prayed all night. I think this is the only place in the scripture that we have a record that he prayed all night. And then another group had A. Yeah, anything you'd like to add? Well, we thought that we could use a similar prayer when we were, when we were trying to choose friends, employees, uh, persons to clean our roof or clean our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how would we select them? Mm-hmm. And we could do this. Very good. Yeah, very, very specific. Or even any big decision. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that... The, God also needed help, or Jesus needed help from God to make those decisions. Yes, you know, over and over I have seen in studying this for today the humanity of Jesus. That, you know, he really was like us. He really depended on the Father to help him. All right, there, you all did a great job. Okay, what about B, John 11, 41 through 42? Yes, this was where Jesus was raising Lazarus from the dead. And um, he prayed a prayer that was basically thanking God for hearing his prayer um, for Lazarus. And he, he was saying it out loud with people listening so that they could um, understand Jesus' conviction that God always hears prayer. Huh. And he wanted them to. He wanted the people around him to know that. Um, so here's a case where he wasn't praying privately and in solitude. He was doing it aloud with people around on purpose so that they could hear him say, "God, I know you always hear me when I pray." Mm-hmm. Um, and a circumstance when we might pray a similar prayer could be when we're just praying with a group of people and we all have a common thing we're praying for, we encourage one another by hearing each other's prayers about out loud. Out loud. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And the other group that had this one, yes. Um, again, um, we don't really have a lot to add. I saw it as a prayer of gratitude also to the Lord and, and a, a um, a, a thanksgiving prayer and we also need to do those in our life as well and not just always ask for the Lord's help but also praise him when he when he provides that help. Hmm. Okay. And this was Lazarus. Yes. Um Jesus. I mean the story of Lazarus. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Story of Lazarus. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um uh, it was a conversation. A conversation that he was having out loud with God. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And, you know, are there other groups? Are, what groups maybe need to hear us pray out loud? Lack of shame. 
in that verse. I know I'm not with your group. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking about our family, our children need to hear us pray out loud. That's how they learn how to pray. Our extended family, our friends, our small group, you know, people that we, uh, or an individual who needs prayer, that person would be greatly blessed by hearing us pray for them out loud. Okay? Um, let's see, we're ready for C. Um, Matthew fourteen nineteen. That was the uh, story of feeding the 5,000. Um, people were hungry. Uh, the only resources were the loaves and the fishes. Uh, we're not told what uh, Jesus said other than give me the food and he raised it and gave thanks. So we don't know what he said other than you know, he knew the source of provision. That's right. And he prayed with expectation and with a thankful heart and, and uh, everything was met. Yeah. Uh, something we could learn from him is that uh, he was he recognized where everything came from. Mm-hmm. Be it food, be it uh, any need that we might have in our lives, there should, should be no hesitation in taking it to the Lord and praying with expectation. You know, we may not get our loaves and fishes, but uh, we know who's got the power to to rectify the situation or meet the need. Okay. Oh, true prayer, thanksgiving. Yeah. And this group, anything to add to that? Mayor Sue? Well, um, I guess I was saying that when I was so as I was going out of the verse, um, I noticed that um, it was in the the this the feeding of the five thousand in this prayer came right after um, the, death, the, the, the death of John the Baptist and um, Jesus had in fact just right before then gone off to be in a quiet in a quiet place to kind of but then like, these people came along and, you know, were like, oh, Jesus, we're excited to see you. And oh, yeah. they interrupted him. But he still took, he, and then even his disciples eventually said, let's send them away to go get food. He's like, no, these people, these people need me right now. I'm going to, you know, bless this food and we're going to serve and make sure that they are, they are served. Nice. Yeah. Good. All right. Good job. Uh, I think we have time for one or two more. Um, how about John? I'm sorry, Luke 22. This is D on the list. Yes, Joy. So this was um, took place um, at the Last Supper when Jesus was um, praying, and um, he was praying for Peter's faith um, not to fail, and that Peter would be strengthened because Jesus knew that he was going to deny him three times, and so um, we can use this prayer. Um, to pray for others who are struggling and um, we know that um, that one thing we've learned from Jesus was that you know he's calling us to pray for others and that um, Jesus loved Peter mm-hmm. yeah. thank you um, do you think we ever have the authority to Pray against the power of Satan in the life of someone? Absolutely we do. That power comes from Jesus. 
we are believers in his name. And because we believe in Jesus' name, we also have the power to pray against the power of Satan in the life of someone else. That's what Jesus is doing here for Peter. Imagine what would have happened to Peter if Jesus hadn't prayed for him. He's already going to deny him three times. But Peter comes back. Thank you. Another one, um, John 17. Now, you all had a long one and a difficult one. So, what did you discover? Well, you as the teacher gave us some help. But in chapter 17, the first verse, it said, when Jesus had spoken these words, this, was for the, this is at the Last Supper, uh, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. And uh, we thought that, that uh, Jesus recognizes that his, it's time to fulfill the Father's will. And he has asked the Father to sustain him in that uh, in his to do his will and so we can pray also to have uh, strength to do his will or to know his will mm-hmm. and the ninth verse says I am praying for them Jesus is praying for his disciples right uh, uh, at the last supper that uh, uh, you have Jesus said you have given them to me and I am glorified in them great and, you know, later in that chapter, he prays for us, too. Yes, in the, in He the, prays for the people <clears throat> who will come to know about him through the work of the disciples. This chapter is called the High Priestly Prayer. And it's because Jesus is the high priest representing us to the Father. Our prayers go through him to the Father. And he, it, he assumes the role of the high priest, and that's um, a lot of that is involved in John 17. Actually, um, it's 10.30. I would love for us to get through all of these, especially since you've taken the time to look them up. How many more? We have two more. How are you all for time? Does anybody need to leave? Should we go ahead? Yeah. All right. If it's, it's fine with me. Um, what about F, Luke 22? That's us. That's your group? All right. Uh, to identify the circumstances, this he was praying before the betrayal and the arrest, and um, this prayer was sort of like a asking for an alternative option mm. to have to go through this. But if it could be done, he would do it. Mm. Um, we sort of identify we would identify a time when we might use a similar prayer if we're sick. Any unpleasantness, even uh, facing dying. Yeah. And um, third was um, what we may learn about Jesus. He sounded human when he was doing his prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was uh, he was taking on being a sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's great. Um, description of what is going on here. And I think you're right when he says, um, may this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know, our salvation hung in the balance. Right there in that word, nevertheless. Some, some versions say yet. And then he got to a point of resignation somehow he was strengthened 
to be able to say, I will do this. Not my will, but yours be done. You know, I just, I think about that moment for him and how alone he must have been and how difficult that prayer must have been for him. And I think, well, you know what? It doesn't matter how desperate we are, whether we are afraid, whether we are sick, whether we are, um, you know, whatever we are going through, we can take comfort knowing that Jesus has been there. He has experienced that in that moment, that desperation, that fear, that um, dread. Please, don't let me have to do this. But, you know, there is, there is also that marvelous verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we know that Jesus, the one who has been through it, is with us at that moment. Powerful. All right, and then we move on to Luke 23. And this is Rita and Mark. Okay. Where are we now? We are at the crucifixion. And uh, Jesus is asking for forgiving forgiveness for the others on the cross. The cross is with him. And then the final, uh, verse 46, is his death. When he says, uh, I commit my spirit. So that is the circumstance and um, the prayer is asking for forgiveness for sinners and criminals. Um, so, and trusting that God's going to, you know, the end is trust, the second part of the prayer at the death is trusting that God is going to care for him um, and it's his spirit. So we thought this was relevant for us because when we sin, um, we can pray about it and ask God's forgiveness for our sins. And we learn that Jesus is faithful to his Father and trusting that he's going to be taken care of in whatever circumstance. So that's reassuring. How often we're told not to forget those who have criticized, gossiped, hurt us terribly in some way, some life-threatening um, way even, and to learn to, from Jesus to forgive at that moment. That is a hard prayer. That is difficult. And then, um, you know, I think when we hear him say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, we think of that as a prayer at death. But did you know that actually every Jewish child is taught that prayer as a bedtime prayer. I'm getting ready to go to sleep now. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Wouldn't it be something if that had been Jesus' prayer as a little boy and he's hearkening back to that now on the cross. Commit actually means deposit. And think about that. I am depositing my spirit with you, Lord, now. And I'm going off to sleep. Sweet dreams. No? I just thought that was a great uh, find. I'm excited to, to know about that. Well, thank you all. You did a great job. Uh, there are many more places in the scripture where we find Jesus in prayer. And next week we're going to talk about some of the things that he actually talked about, which is a little different. Um,
One thing we have observed is that, uh, as Cynthia mentioned earlier, Jesus was always in contact with his father. He was never in a frame of mind that he lost sight of the fact that God was not with him. And I think, you know, that is one of the things that we also need to remember. That even though we set aside a certain time for prayer, Jesus is always with us, a breath away. Well, I want you to enjoy your uh, book that you've received today. You can start that um, this week. I'll be curious to see how you like it and, and how this works for you. And uh, it's, it's always wonderful to study about prayer, but it's much more important to pray. So have a great week. Thanks for hanging in there with me. And I will see you next week as we continue. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.